Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Welcome to folks that may be watching via our live stream. We're in Mark chapter 4, and Jesus calms a storm. As we were looking last week, we looked at some of the parables that Jesus Christ uh, was giving. He's teaching a lot. The crowds are gathering. And remember we said the crowds are gathering for probably different reasons. They're not all gathering because he is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world. Most of them have, at this point, have not even caught that concept yet. His own disciples don't get it yet. So why the big crowds? What's the attraction? Up to this point in Mark, we've seen Jesus is doing what? A lot of healing. Right? The paralytic man. The demon-possessed people. His fame is spreading. And people are saying, you got to come and check out this rabbi. He's not like any other rabbi. He's healing, casting out demons. He's, he's doing things that we've never seen before. Oh, yeah, and when he teaches, there's something different about the way he teaches. He teaches as one that has authority and power. So they're following Jesus. A lot of people are following Jesus, but not ultimately for the right reason. They're not following Jesus because they're broken and they realize they're broken and they need a Savior. They're kind of following Jesus for what they can get out of Jesus. And unfortunately, that happens a lot today, right? People are wanting to come after God, wanting God in their life for what God can do for them. And if those things don't work out in a timely manner, I tried God, I tried Christianity, I'm moving on. All right? Jesus Christ did not come to just be an addition to our life so we can feel good about ourselves. He came to lay down his life to be the atonement for the sin that I have to answer for that you have to answer for. At this point, the people don't get that. Even his disciples, his inner circle, the ones that he would bring close to him and explain and expound some more spiritual truth, a lot of it went over their head. So we come to Mark 4, verse 35. And after all of this teaching, remember he's out on the Sea of Galilee in the boat. The people are on the shoreline listening to him. He's been teaching all day. And now we come to 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with them. So if you can imagine, Jesus is probably exhausted, tired, 
And he's like, let's go to the other side. Now, there are other boats that are out there, too. Other boats are out there, too. Remember, there were other fishermen that, that were probably out in the sea. And when they saw Jesus come off the shoreline into this boat to preach, they probably were like, hey, let's check it. Oh, we got a front row seat. So you can imagine he's preaching, he's preaching, and now he's like, disciples, let's go. Exhausted. Teaching. It's time to stop. It's time to get some rest. Look what happens. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. You can imagine that. Sea of Galilee, they push off, they start rolling, and this storm comes out of nowhere. This is something that was not abnormal. This is something that often happened on the Sea of Galilee, where the sea was positioned way below sea level, and where the cold air would come down, it was like just a tunnel. You can picture the sea and this just big wind tunnel that would go right over the sea, and out of nowhere, these wind gusts would come and you're in a storm just like that. This is what's happening. Now, as fishermen, they would have been used to this. I mean, this is the sea that they fish on. Surely that this probably happened before as they were just doing their work. But this is a violent storm and the boat is filling up with water. When it talks about the waves breaking in, the boat is literally filling up. And this boat, if you can imagine, it's not a little canoe, probably about 26 foot long, four to six feet wide, right? So this is a pretty nice sized vessel. Jesus is all the way in the stern sleeping. This thing is being tossed around, they're rolling, water is coming over the side and they see it's filling up. Put yourself in that situation, right? What's going through your head, right? 37, great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Like, why is he asleep? Like, Jesus, like, help. Don't you care? We're about to drown. Can you take a nap? Now, why was Jesus taking a nap? Why was he taking a nap? Why did he sleep? He's exhausted. He's tired. Right? But but Jesus, like. I don't like, why are you, it, 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 it's almost, I mean, think about the, the irony of this. They're rebuking him. What are you doing, Jesus? Really? The irony of the master of the sea, <laughs> the one who created the waves, the one who created all of the wind, is sleep and they're rebuking him. Don't you care 
that we're about to perish? I wonder if in Jesus' mind, it doesn't say it, if he's thinking, these are my winds and my waves. I'm not worried about them. <laughs> right? I'm not worried about them. See, it, 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 it's, we begin to see the humanness, the fear, the anxiety in Jesus' closest disciples. Why? Here's why. Because they don't get who Jesus is. They don't understand who he is. Look what happens. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And you got to appreciate this in the original, because literally, you got to picture this. Jesus, Jesus, wake up! Don't you care? We're going to perish! Jesus. Shut up, wind! says to them in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Now, what's going through your head if you just witnessed that? Are you still afraid that you're going to perish? Probably not, because the storm has stopped. But yet, there's another fear that comes inside of it. They had fear. Don't you care? We're going to perish. Jesus takes care of that. Why are you so afraid, guys? It's almost like, what, 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 what are you afraid of? Look what happens. Not only does he question why are they afraid, have you still no faith? There it is. They started rebuking him. Don't you care that we perish? He now rebukes them. Have you no faith? You still don't know who I am. You still don't believe who I am. Wow. How the tables have turned. They go from fear of perishing to look at the fear in 41. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. They didn't get it. When Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, or rather that the rabbi, the teacher, they didn't quite believe at this point that he was the Messiah. And not just the Messiah who's going to be the Savior, but that he was God in the flesh. Go back to when he healed the paralyzed person. Remember they let the bed down while he was teaching? Remember what Jesus said? He said, what? That you might know that I have the power to forgive sins. Get up and take your bed. Remember from that point on, the Pharisees and Herodians sought to do what? Kill him. Why? Because he being a man. They got it. They knew exactly what he was saying by that. He made himself equal with God. These disciples would have seen that. But did they get it? Nope. They still think he's just a rabbi. They still think he has some great teaching. He can do some miracles. But they don't have faith that he is God in the flesh. This is the problem. And if he's God in the flesh, and if you really understand that I am God in the flesh, why are you worried about winds and waves in a sea that I created? <laughs> I'm God. You, think about the logic here. Do you think the winds and the waves were going to destroy God? Like, that's God in the boat sleeping. Why are you afraid? I'm God. These are my waves. These are my winds. I'm sovereign. You think I don't know what's going on just because I'm asleep? Right over there. So he challenges. Have you still no faith? And you're going to see as... The ministry of Christ continues where he's healing people, he's casting out demons. The disciples are going to start to get a little glimpse, a little more. Like, wait, 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 God, you think this might be God in the flesh? Like, they finally are going to get it. But they're going to be up and down, up and down. Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. How is it that this rabbi has control over creation? How is that even possible? Well, humanly, it's not possible. See, they're starting to get glimpses of, I think it's my God. Now, why is that significant to you and I? Because when we as believers, we talk about we have faith in Jesus Christ, it's not about having faith in just another teacher. When, 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 you, when we talk about that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
It's, it's not like a relationship with Buddha or Confucius or some other spiritual teacher. We're talking about God in the flesh who walked the earth. We are now in relationship with him. So what bearing does that have when you're going through hard times, as we were talking about in testimony time? What bearings does it have? It should have this bearing. Again, the irony is that the creator is present, yet they were in fear. You and I as Christians, no matter what it is you're going through, whether it's home improvement, <laughs> whether it's COVID, the economy, what's the point here? What's the pra practical application for us? What is it that you're fearing? Why are you fearing when God, Jesus, he got you? Your relationship with him. Where's this fear coming from? No, but you don't understand what's going on. No, but, but, but you don't understand who you are. You're God's. You see, so many Christians, you know, we struggle with uncertainty. We struggle with insecurities. We struggle with all these things, right? But at the same time, we're, we're, we're holding on to Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Is it? Is it? Do you understand that Jesus Christ, he was God in the flesh. He paid the atonement. He got up out of the grave. And if that's true, if Jesus is God, then everything that Jesus says in this book that has to do with life is also true. Okay? So when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's true. Irregardless of what you feel like. When he says that the righteous have never been begging for bread, right? Have never been forsaken. His seed never begging for bread. In other words, God will always provide. It's true. I don't care what it looks like, what the storm looks like. Jesus is God. We belong to him. That ought to have implications on how we do life. The disciples, again, I, I keep going back to this. The irony, they're in the boat with the creator of the universe. And they're worried about a storm. Like what? After seeing previous miracles that authenticated that Jesus was more than a man. Here's something you and I need to sink our teeth in. Jesus is in control. My trials, my uncertainties, my fears, my anxieties, I lay them all at his feet because I believe that he's in control. That's where we got to practically get in our lives, guys. I lay it all at your feet, God. All the things I can't answer, all the unknowns, I lay them all at your feet. You're God. You're God. Imagine if the disciples, while they were in the boat, imagine if they would have chose not to wake him up and just said, no, don't wake him up. Come on, he's the son of God. He, it's 
let's just see what happens. <laughs> right? What do you think would have happened? They would have made it to the other side. How do we know they would have made it to the other side? Let's be some little Bible theologians now. It's right there in the text. How do we know that if they would not have woken up Jesus out of fear, they would have made it to the other side? Anybody know? Let us cross over to the other side. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take a nap. He's going to take a nap. We start to go. Here comes the storm. The waves are coming. Oh, we're filling up. Go wake up Jesus. Do you see how small their faith was? Jesus said, we're going to the other side. He didn't say, I hope we make it to the other side. We, we all fall into this trap, guys. We say we love him. We say we trust him. And then when the storms come, what happens? All of a sudden, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen? It is so easy to trust God when things are going well. Don't tell me about your faith in God when things are going well. Sorry, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. Tell me about your trust and your holding on to God when everything around you is falling apart. That's when you know what you're really made of. Think about it. Remember our study in James? Count it all joy when trials come into your life. Why? What is God doing? He's testing, refining your faith. I don't know about you. I want to know that I have true biblical faith. Here's the problem. The only way I'm going to know that, refine that's the part I hate. That's the part I hate. Jesus Christ is going to constantly be challenging the disciples. Do you understand who I am? Do you understand who I am? America's first missionary, Judson, lost his wife. Then a few months later, lost his baby. Baby Maria. Listen at this quote that Justin said. God is to me the great unknown. I believe in him, but I find him not. Wow. God to me is the great unknown. I believe in him, but I find him not. What is he saying? I think that's a man, that's a father, that's a husband who's grieving. God, we're believe in you, but I can't find you in the midst of this. See, I started earlier by saying this is why I love the Psalms. Because you'll, you'll read Psalms like that. Where are you, O God? Trusting in God does not mean that you're going to feel like everything's okay all the time. That's backwards. Trusting in God doesn't mean that I'm always going to have total peace. Read the Psalms. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul, where he talks about persecutions, anxieties, cares for the church, 
Even now I'm hungry and I'm suffering, right? But yet there's this undying faith in who God is. Our trust in God and who God is cannot be predicated upon how your circumstances are going. And most of us live there. Ask somebody how they're doing. Oh, man. Well, what's going on? All these negative things. When they say, oh, things are good. Why are things good? People generally do not say things are going well. Like, you know, how, how things are going? Man, I'm good. I'm good. And at the same time, your life is falling apart. You usually don't get that answer. Like, yo, how things going? Man, I'm good, man. Things are going well. I'm just, you know, I'm trusting in God, man. And then you find out, wait, dude got laid off. Somebody stole his puppy last night. We're, right? And it's like, why did he say that? Like most of our, we're good, we're trusting in God, it's because things are working out. I mean, let's be real, let's be honest. What about in the midst of trials? What about in the midst of storms? What about in the midst of uncertainties? Are you still trusting God? I don't understand what God is doing. That's okay, you don't have to understand what God is doing. If you understood what God was doing, you would be God. He's a creator, you're the creature. So Job says what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him? If God determines to take me out, watch this. This is where I think God wants to get us. This is a scary place to get. If God determines to allow my life to be snuffed out, I'm good with it. I still trust him. Wow. If God allows, as Ben was talking about earlier when he was talking about the song we sung, right? If God allows the trial to come, are you okay with that? Could God stop every diagnosis of cancer? Yes, he could. Could God stop every stillborn birth? Yes, he could. Could God stop every act of abuse on children? Yes, he could. That's one of the biggest predicaments that people have with Christianity. If there's a God, then why doesn't he stop this stuff? Right? And if I'm a believer, why would he allow me to go through it? Well, that's another whole sermon. The short answer is this. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken world that is sin-cursed, and sickness and death have come into the world because of sin. You've got to start with that. And that sickness... It's abuse, cancer, people dying of COVID, all kinds of things. We live in a broken world. Now the question is this. What does God owe a broken world? Nothing. Nothing. But yet he chose to wrap himself in flesh, come into the world, die for the effects of that sin and pay the penalty for that sin so that you and I can have life everlasting. Wow. So if while in the broken world, I end up getting sick, I lose my job, whatever, if I get some of the effects of the broken world affecting my life, I'm still good. Why? Because I know God. You gotta understand the big picture, folks. Our ultimate security needs to be in Christ. It's in Christ. 
My ultimate security is in Christ, not my bank account, not my career, not, my, not even my friendships and what people think about me. My ultimate security is I am in Christ. In other words, I am a child of God. In other words, my last breath is my first breath in the presence of God. Throughout all eternity, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Now, am I going to walk out these doors looking for trials? No, I don't want them. I want health. I want to be able to buy nice things. I want to be able to enjoy life. There's no evil in that. But when those become your security, rather than Christ, you will live a miserable life. Only God satisfies the loneliness of our souls. As we get ready to wrap up, Romans 8. Romans 8.31, listen carefully. Romans 8, starting at verse 31. And I would encourage you to read the entire chapter. But for the sake of time, we're just going to start at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, all the things that we need, all the spiritual things we need, to his grace to live this life. He's not talking about material things. He goes on and says this, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I love this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What boat are you in? What storms are you going through? It ain't going to take you out. <laughs> You're not going to be separated from God's love. You're on your way to eternal security with God throughout all 10 million years from now. You'll be alive and well with God. Paul is writing this in the midst of suffering. Get the right perspective. Sufferings are going to come. Persecutions, they're going to come. They're going to look different for all of us. But none of it will separate you from God's love. Why? Because Christ was offered for you as an payment, as an atonement. You're good. You're fine. So we seek God's face when we go through the storms. 
but we understand his grace will sustain us through. And if my trial takes me out, for me to live is Christ. And to die, it's my gain. That's a perspective we ought to have when we are drawn out into the oceans. Understanding a sovereign God is allowing it. So that same sovereign God will sustain you through it. Amen? God, thank you. Thank you, God, that even though we will suffer in this world, to know that you love us, that your love is no less for us when we suffer. To know that you are in control, you see the suffering, you allow the suffering. And God, you give grace and you sharpen our faith. You refine our faith in you because our greatest need has already been taken care of. Our sins have been paid for. We are living in this life, but headed to everlasting life with you. Help us to have that perspective when the storms hit our lives. Help us to realize who we are in Christ, what Christ has done on our behalf. And God, may it help us to navigate through the hard times in love, and patience and self-control. God still loving you and serving you and proclaiming you. Even if our world is falling apart. God, because nothing can separate us from your love. So give us wisdom. Help us to evaluate our lives. Change our perspective where they need to be changed. Father, that you might be well pleased in how we navigate through this life. Until Christ come again. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Doves Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.